The AAPA conference is coming up May 18th through 22nd in Houston. I'm so sad that I will not be there, but some of my favorite people will be. So I want to make sure that y'all know who to look out for. So if you're heading down to the conference, make sure you go by the Blueprint and Rosh Review table. They're giving away all kinds of stuff stethoscopes, seats in the review course. They're talking about how Rosh Review has joined Blueprint and what that looks like. But definitely go stop by, say hi, get some swag, tell them I said hello, uh, and it'll be a really good time. I'm sure y'all will have an awesome time in Houston. Make sure you go to Torchy's Tacos, my absolute favorite, and spend some time in the exhibit hall exploring we know that I love Rosh Review um, by Blueprint, and they have so many great resources. So whether you're looking for QBanks, pants review courses, now is the time. And usually there's some special stuff, so go check it out. Can you imagine being a new grad PA in the ICU for a few months and then COVID hits in New York? Yeah, me either. But Carlina did, and she's sharing her story with us today. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club Podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. I want to thank My PA Resource and PA School Prep for sponsoring the Pre-PA Club Podcast. So My PA Resource is a personal statement editing service that edits only PA school essays only edited by PAs, and most of us have admissions experience, so I am one of the editors. Definitely check them out if you need help with your content, grammar, flow, making sure that you are on track for turning in your application. And you can use the code FUTUREPA for a discount on any of their service options. PA School Prep is an online course that focuses on the anatomy, physiology, and med terms that you'll need for PA school to make sure you feel confident going into that first semester and that you are able to handle what PA school throws at you. So check that out at paschoolprep.com and also use the code FUTUREPA for a discount there. Was that not a super dramatic intro? Just kidding. Um, thank you for tuning in to the Pre-PA Club podcast. Savannah here, and I'm excited to get to share today's um, story with you with Carlina. She is, as I said earlier, a PA who works in New York, and you'll hear all about it, but she works in the ICU, which got really crazy recently, very unexpectedly. And so I really appreciate how she reached out to me on Instagram and offered to share her story and just talk about what that's been like, um, giving some insights into working in so many different ways as a new grad PA in an ICU during COVID in New York, all these things. So um, we really get to talk about some cool stuff as well as how she's grown as a provider, you know, in her knowledge, but also emotionally, mentally, and what that's looked like these past few months. So I, again, very much appreciate her doing that. And she wrote a blog post she'll talk about in our interview that kind of debriefs her feelings on all of this. And so I have a link to that in the description. I'll also be posting it on Instagram. So make sure y'all check that out. So um, I'm very thankful for her. All right, before we jump into the the interview, I just want to put a quick 
I don't know, not reminder, but word of advice, word of encouragement maybe out there. Um, you know, I'm getting a lot of messages like I still haven't heard anything. Some people are getting interviews and acceptances and for a lot of schools, it's still early in the cycle. Every school does so many things differently. So don't give up hope. Keep keep pushing forward. The waiting is awful. It just is. It's such a tough process. Um, and there's there's not a ton you can do about it. I think being connected in the pre-PA community, whether that's on social media or in the pre-PA club on Facebook, is great just because your family and friends may not really understand what you're going through and what it feels like and the kind of gravity of the situation. But I do and all of your pre-PA colleagues do, so we can definitely support each other through that. Um, All right, I do want to talk about a couple events coming up before we get to the interview as well. Let me look at my calendar actually. Um, So tentatively, and I think this I don't see any issues with this. Tentatively, on September 27th, um, last night we did an event called A Day in the Life of a Derm PA. This was a virtual shadowing event, and I'll be, you know, adding that information to the podcast in the upcoming months, Um, and next week I'll let y'all know where you can watch a replay of that, because it will be available. Um, but that I want that to be something we continue with just PAs and different specialties as well as making that information available afterwards. So the next one is scheduled for August 27th and it's with a fan favorite, Mr. Brian Palm. Um, so he's going to be talking about his life as a nocturnal ER PA. So he only works nights in the ER. So we're going to be um, kind of deep diving into his job on that date. Um, these are free sessions. Um, and I will post the link to that. Um, I'll have it up on social media next week, and then I'll post in the description next week and remind y'all as well. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is I am planning a, a session specifically for leaders of pre-PA clubs at universities and schools. Um, that was something that came up as kind of a need in the Facebook group. So if you are on, you know, whatever y'all call it, the board or leadership of your pre-PA club, club, um, I would love for you to join me on September 13th at 8 p.m. Um, we are, that's gonna be a lot more interactive than these webinars where I'm pretty much just going to facilitate and try to kind of lead the conversation of, brainstorming ways to, you know, increase engagement and spread the word about your club, what to do for club meetings, um, how to make your club as beneficial as possible to your members so that we can all just kind of learn from each other. Because I know there are some really great pre-PA clubs out there. Um, So I will post, um, I'll be posting a link to that this week as well. And so be on the lookout, and that will go out in the newsletter at the end of the month as well. So if you're not on there, get on there. The sign-up is in the um, in the description. Um, but I post a lot, so if you're not following on Instagram, that's the easiest way to stay up to date. So at the PA platform, I post all the time. Okay, that's enough. Let's hear from Carlina, and thank you so much for joining me. My name's Carlina. I am a PA that's right now in New York City, um, practicing in the ICU, so critical care. Um, I've graduated in 2019, so I'm about a year out now. Um, I graduated from a dual master and bachelor's degree program, so I came out of high school, um, applied to the PA program, and got my bachelor's and my master's um, by 2019. 
Cool. That's awesome. Um, so you knew in high school you wanted to be a PA. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I knew I wanted to do something in the medical field. Um, you know, it was kind of like back and forth in terms of what exactly I want to do. But in high school, I was lucky enough to have this career fair. And um, one of my alumni actually came in and he was practicing um, as a PA at the time. And he kind of exposed us in terms of the profession and what it is and exactly how different it is in different um clinicians and practitioners so after that i started doing some research um i went along with the program that he went along with you know and i just applied and you know went from there awesome that's really cool um so your applications looked a little different because you didn't really have to go through the process with picking schools and all of that later on right yeah so it was a little bit different um so I was exposed to a time where I can, you know, do the four years traditionally of undergrad and then apply for PA school. Um, but at the time, he did tell me about this program. So I graduated from Wagner College. It's a program on Staten Island. Um, so he told me about the program along with looking into other programs that provided, you know, the bachelor's and the master's program, given that I was coming straight out of high school. Um, so the idea in my head at the time was, let me apply for these programs. And if I happen to get in, like, that's wonderful. But if I don't, I'll just do the four years of undergrad and, you know, apply for PA school again. So it definitely was different. Um, but because of the program giving two degrees, um, within a short amount of time. So my program was a five-year program. Um, it was a little bit more competitive. So it was a little bit harder to get in, and I applied not thinking I would get in, and then it actually happened. Um, but the interview process itself is like the process of going to the PA school um, is pretty similar. So you're applying, and then you're still doing the PA like interview and everything like that. The only difference is that you wouldn't have to do the four years of undergrad first. Okay. At any point in that process, did you doubt what you were doing or feel like I'm too young or this is too quick, or were you pretty confident throughout that you're making the right decision for you? So it definitely was hard um, to begin with, um, just because, so when I first got on, like got, got into the program, you know, I was really happy, excited. Um, and then the first two years of my program, essentially you're doing all your gen ed requirements um, and finishing that. And then third year would be your typical, your didactic year. So the first two years, you know, it felt normal, like the normal college life. And then once I hit didactic year, that's when things kind of just started being a little bit more different. So I was with um, traditionally my PA program um, from nine to five, uh, you know, every single day in the library. And it was a little bit different because I had friends outside of the program who were living the college life. And, you know, like it just looks so much more simple out there. And here we are in the library studying 24 seven for many exams throughout the week. So definitely if there was a question of whether this is the right decision, if the timing was right, if this is what I wanted, it definitely did pop up. Um, and with how rigorous the curriculum was um, throughout didactic year and even through clinicals, um, I did question it a couple of times, like, is this the right thing? Um, just because so being so young and kind of put under that pressure um, and also being out on, you know, in the clinical sites expect to be so professional, but you're also so young. So you're also meeting with, oh, you're so young, but you're, about to be a PA in two years. So it's kind of like that, you know, proving yourself to other clinicians that you know what you want. So it definitely was a little bit more difficult. Gotcha. Um, was there any part of PA school that was especially challenging for you? 
Um, I think the most challenging part was actually going out to clinicals. So like, you know, in didactic year, like you can hide behind your laptops and your textbooks and, you know, memorize everything. But it definitely got more intimidating going out to the rotation sites. Um, you know, so many personalities out there in the healthcare field um, and really just kind of figuring out where you're grounded. Um, so that definitely was a hard part. Um, and my program gave us two years of clinicals. So oh, the wow. first year for your general ones, yeah. So we would do typically um, the general surgery, OBGYN, so the main core ones. And then the second year would be a little bit more of the electives. So if you want to do like cardiac surgery, you could do CT surgery. If you want to do NICU, you could do that. Um, so I was really thankful for that with my program because I was I had a lot more exposure typically than yeah. the other PA students would. Um, but definitely my senior year, so the first year of rotation was very hard. Um, you know, it was between basically working and being in the hospital all the time and then coming home and studying for your EORs. So that definitely was like, you know, really hard. Um, but other than that, it was good. Um, all right. So when it came time to get a job after you graduated, what were you looking for? Um, so it's kind of, it was, it's a little bit different. Um, so when I first, my last year of VA school, I won something that um, was in the more critical area. So typically a lot of us in my program actually want to apply for the ER positions. Um, but I don't know how it is in other places, but in New York, it's really hard to kind of get that um, without prior exposure and prior experience. So um, there's actually some programs out here that give you like an EM residency for PAs. Um, so those are also really competitive as well. So I was looking into that. And then I came across one of my alumni from my program telling me that her ICU in one of the hospitals in New York City was hiring and was looking um, for actually new grads as well to train. So, you know, I was like, okay, like ICU, like critical care, let me try it out. So I actually ended up applying there, but I did apply for a whole bunch of um, specialties. I've applied for HEMONC, I've applied for CT surgery because I did do a rotation there. Um, so it was kind of just picking and choosing. It was really hard. I think the hardest part coming out of PA school is kind of figuring out what you want to do because you just have so many options. Um, but the best thing that I can like really say is that uh, the interviews really did it for me. So like me being able to talk to like my future employers and see how we actually connected through the interview um, and have that kind of like bonding conversation, that really did it for me. So. All right. So you ended up in the ICU. And when you say New York, are we talking like what I think of as New York, like Big Apple, like in the yeah, city. Times oh. Square, yeah. <laughs> so, do you like walk to work? Do you take a taxi? Do you take a subway? Um, I guess that's what y'all what y'all do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I live in Staten Island, so um, typically people put take the ferry over. Um, so before COVID, I used to take the bus and the train over. Um, but now with everything going on, I've been driving myself. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. so I, we'll get to COVID stuff for sure. So when you first started your job, did you feel equipped to jump into that role or did they train you? How did that transition kind of look like from being in PA school to actually taking care of patients and being responsible for them? So the reason why I chose um, my current job right now uh, over the other job offers that I did get is because of the training that they were able to give me. So in my ICU, 
Um, it used to be a medical ICU and then a surgical ICU. But when I started, actually, they combined it so it's not like a med-surg ICU. Um, and it's a PA and resident one floor. So I work really closely with the residents and the attendings. There's also the pulmonary critical fellows as well that I work with. Um, so how it's designed, it's two, um, 16 beds. Um, and the beds are split among the interns and the PAs. Um, so with that, with my training, it took about six months of training. Um, so the first couple of months, it was really getting used to everything, um, the intensity of the critical care, um, really just getting hands-on, learning things and learning, kind of applying the medicine that you've been learning throughout PA school. And then uh, later into my training, I was a little bit more hands-on where I was able to do focuses, so like bedside ultrasounds. I've also been able to place central lines and arterial lines um, with the fellow. Um, so I have to say the training's really nice. Um, and the relationship with the fellows and the attendings and along with the other residents, we work really closely together as a team, which I really appreciate. Um, being that my hospital is like a teaching hospital, the training process was a little bit better. Um, so during my interview, I was speaking to my ICU director at the time, and uh, she basically walked me through, telling me the role of the PA, um, basically be working with the residents, which I really love. Um, but the in terms of the training process, um, it was difficult to adapt to being that you're a PA student and now they're like, oh, you're a PA. Like, it still takes a little bit to kind of, you know, adapt. And a lot of people have told me, like, you know, you won't get comfortable within your first months of, you know, training. It's going to take maybe a year or even two to start getting a little bit more comfortable. Um, so definitely, you know, the hardest part was questioning what I knew. So, like, I, I had an idea that I knew some things. But I'm like, should I speak up? Should I not? Um and really, you know, putting yourself in that position. So, like, coming out of PA school, I knew I made it through that. But then actually working in the real world, it was another learning experience. So I knew that there was just so much more that I had to learn. Um, and it doesn't just end at PA school, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, I'm very grateful for the team that I work with. They're really helpful in terms of, you know, if I had any assistance that I needed, they would be there. That sounds like such a great environment for yeah. just working and learning and and definitely. Yeah. I was definitely very nervous um, going into it because I was like, oh, my goodness, like the ICU, like what can go wrong? Um, but I do like I was drawn to that job just because of the support that I knew I would be able to get, especially coming out as a new grad. Like you need your hand to be held a little bit more. Um, so it definitely did help. That's awesome. Yeah, you will have great experience. Um, so what what does your, and we're kind of talking pre-COVID now because I don't know how things have changed, but what kind of was your schedule like and like kind of a day in the life as an ICU PA? So for my schedule, you work, um, for me, I work 40 hours a week. Um, so typically that would be three days a week. Um, they're around like 12 and a half hour shifts. Um, so I work from like, seven to like seven thirty, um, from seven in the morning to seven thirty and then we started actually covering nights. So it's usually the same hours that we typically work. Um a day in life, um, just being an ICU PA, so it's the typical like you know, being in the hospital, rounding for a long couple of hours. Um, and then just kinda of going about your day and like, you know, doing the to do's for each patient. Um, there are some busy days in the ICU, you know, where patients do crash on us. Um 
So a lot of that comes with the training that I was able to get, luckily, in terms of uh, running codes, um, doing CPR and everything like that. Um, so it, it is a high acuity, but the good thing is that it's only three days a week or so. Um, sometimes I'm able to even line up my days where I can do six days um, within the two weeks um, and have like a little time off too to kind of nice. recuperate as well. Um, so the, the flexibility of the NCPA is actually really nice. Um, you get the high intensity that you want, but you also have the time off um, to, you know, pick up a per diem job or whether it's, you know, to do whatever you need to do. That's awesome. Okay, so let's jump into COVID stuff. Um, which obviously no one saw coming at all, and especially not how crazy New York was. What just what was that like? I mean, what happened? <laughs> um, well, honestly, I, I look back now and I, I still can't believe how we made it through. Um, so when COVID had hit New York, that was, I believe, the end of February into the early March. Um, and I think I was probably about seven months out um, working at that point. I was getting comfortable with, like, you know, everything that I had to do. You know, I kind of knew everything, the flow, everything. And um, that's when COVID hit, when I started getting a little bit more comfortable. So it kind of really threw everything back to where it was. Um, so it came in March. So we have one ICU in my hospital for 16 beds. Um, within that month of March, we opened um, two more ICUs. So I had three ICUs in my hospital, um, and all the medicine floors all became basically COVID floors um, for patients who didn't need the high acuity um, for ICU. So it definitely was a big kick. <laughs> um, so it was very different. So in terms of the scheduling for um, PAs. There are two PAs on the floor with me. Um, so we got split up where one person would stay in one ICU, another person would stay in another ICU. Um, we have our medicine residents that we typically work with. Um, because we were so short-staffed um, with the three ICUs that we opened, the medicine residents were floated to the newer ICUs, whereas the ICU that we typically work in was filled in with um, floating residents. So we had the surgery interns come in. So everyone was kind of out of their scope, um, you know, being pulled left and right, so things that they're not used to doing. Um, so the PAs actually got to step in and act as like the senior resident in a way. Um, so that was kind of a very different thing for me because me yeah. being only seven months out, I was like freaking out in my head, like, oh my goodness, like, what do you mean I have to like help run this floor? Um, so, you know, it definitely, it, a lot of the PAs that I work with, they're also new grads as well. So it definitely pushed us to see what we're capable of out of our comfort zone. Um, but looking back now, it's actually made us grow so much from it. It definitely was really tough. Um, we made makeshift rooms in our ICU. Um, not all our ICUs have this negative pressure room where the COVID patients would go. So we actually created negative pressure, made fake doors. Um, it was definitely a very crazy time. We had a lot of travelers come in and help us. So travelers, MPs, PAs, um, nurses, CRNAs, really grateful for them. Honestly, without them, they really, they did a lot of, you know, of the help. Um, but in terms of the intensity of it, um, I always said, like, pay school never teaches you how to 
grieve your patients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's you know something we always like see on rotations, but you never really grasp onto it until you start taking care of the patients by yourself. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a big learning factor for me. So on top of like you know being thrown and like having to do like things that I wasn't comfortable with doing um, in terms of like just being so brand new out of school. It was also an emotional factor in terms of having to learn how to see all these patients pass and not do well, also, like, deliver the bad news to family members and, like, you know, like, teach them how to cope with it as well. Um, So it definitely was a mental, like, strength that you kind of learn. Um, We look back now and we're like, you know, if we do have this, you know, second wave of COVID, hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, You know, we always joke around and I see, like, it's going to be, like, a sense of PTSD for us. Um, so it definitely was really hard. You know, I've had days where we couldn't round on the whole ICU because we would have so many disruptions with patients like the saturating and like coding and stuff. So it was really hard adapting to all of that. It was honestly like every shift was like a mental and emotional, physical, like burden. Like it was, you were really tired all the time, knowing you had to go back in, not knowing what to expect. Um, I remember when it first hit, a lot of the um, my old professors like reached out to me, was like, "How are you doing? I know you're in the ICU. Like, it must be crazy." And I always said, "I'm like, I never thought I'd sign up for this. Like, right. I, like this is like crazy. Like, I would if you told me like three years ago, like your first year you're going to be working in a pandemic, I'd be like, you're crazy." Um, so you know, a lot of the medicine that I learned, it was kind of thrown out a little bit because everyone's just learning so much things about COVID. Um, that it was like a learning experience for everyone. Um, but I did have like, you know, great, great team, great attendings to really lean on. You know, they gave us um, time in our schedule where if we needed a break and kind of like need a time away from the ICU, they'd do it and have someone else fill in. Um, I have a great team of PAs that I work with that we're able to cover each other whenever we need to. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely was very intense. Um, and because my hospital is actually going to be closing to build into a new location, we had a lot of empty space. So we actually took a lot of the patients from other hospitals that were being overcrowded. Um, new York also had um, makeshift hospitals in like the Javits Center and like the central in Central Park. So a lot of those patients would come in intubated and you know come into wow. our ICU. Yeah, so it, it definitely was very stressful, honestly. Um, those were like the longest three months of my life like I look back and I'm like where did the whole like spring and summer go um but definitely was really tough um and it really kind of made me have to mature as a clinician um and really learn how to cope with you know the stressful part of you know having to say bye to patients and stuff and during the time you know I'm I'm sure you know a lot of family members couldn't come in and see the patients. Right. I think that's also the hardest part too, where like family members like I just want to see them, I want to come in, and like we couldn't let that happen. So there are times where you know I've had to hold my phone um, in like a little stat bag so it wouldn't get contaminated, and I'd hold it and have the family like talk oh. to like the, like the patient, and I'd have to, like she's like can you help me like hold like his hand for me and everything. So it was definitely like hard. Um, and I look back, I'm like, no one ever taught you that in PA school. Like, no, no one ever taught you, like, you know, like, everyone teaches, like, all this medicine and exciting and all that stuff. But no one really teaches, like, the part where, like, medicine isn't, like, the happiest moment, you know. Mm-hmm. So that honestly, like, threw a lot of things into, like, a tornado and kind of, like, really messed with, like, my life a little bit. Um, 
but a lot of the hospitals along with mine developed like a mental health program and like oh, cool. had a relaxation center. Um, definitely I'd say New York needed it a lot um, because yeah. a lot of us were really overworked um, mentally and physically exhausted for the most part. Gosh, isn't that crazy? I mean, that, and it, I just think about how, like, I have a two-year-old and how, like, when she's in high school, she's going to read about this and learn about it yeah. in history. Yeah. And that's so weird to me. And then, I mean, how it will change PA school education and change just, I think, all education moving forward. Like, it's wild. Like you said, I mean, like, even six months ago, if you told me that this is where we'd be, I'd be like, you're crazy. Like, even at the beginning, I was like, it's just the flu. Like, <laughs> I was definitely one of those. I was like, it's not a big deal. And then two weeks later, I was like, oh, wait. I yeah. retract yeah. my statement. This is a big deal. Yeah. What's happening? Yeah. Um, um, actually, the first patient that came into New York City actually went into my hospital system. So, like, wow. we got, like, a mass, like, email saying, like, we just got our first COVID PUI. And I remember, like, my group chat with my ICU coworkers, like, going off, like, there's no way. Like, and then my hospital has many, um, the system has many campuses throughout New York City. Um, so, we're one of the ones downtown. Um, so we're like, which one is it? Is it the main one uptown? And like, we're trying to figure out, is it in our ICU right now? Like, we're like all freaking out, like, oh my goodness. Um, so definitely like, yeah, it was, it was very crazy. Just to even like, think about it, um, like flashback now. I'm like, I can't believe it. And you know, in the beginning, everyone's just saying like, oh, it's, you know, just the flu and stuff. And then yeah. like, we see these patients like in like kidney failure and everything. We're like, is it really, it's not really just the flu anymore at that point. So it definitely was a big learning curve. Um to everything so. yeah so like looking back and obviously none of us can like predict the future and all this stuff but I mean a year ago when you were looking for jobs and choosing jobs like if you knew a pandemic was coming would you have would you have signed up for it because I feel like that's the spot that like pre-PAs are in now which is interesting like they've gotten to see this happen and so I'm kind of like like look y'all this is this is medicine it is unpredictable very unpredictable and wild at times and like that's what you're signing up for even if you could never predict it um and so I think and it like I think it's completely valid for some people to rethink their decision to enter medicine because of it like maybe they can't handle these things that you're talking about um but yeah I mean like do you think having that knowledge as a pre-pa would have changed your I mean, like, you know, as a pre-PA, I remember, like, on my, like, PA interviews, like, you know, they're like, why do you want to be a PA? Like, you know, like, the very, like, typical questions. And I remember telling, like, you know, I, like, I want to help people. I want to, like, you know, have that patient interaction, bond with them, you know, develop that connection and really just help them and, like, see them walk out of the hospital that you did something to make them feel better and, you know, all of the positivity. Um, And... If they were to tell me, like, what if a pandemic hits? Are you still going to be down for that? I I mean, every job has, you know, its, you know, plus and pros and cons in terms of, like, what you sign up for. Um, I remember, like, during COVID, like, what was really tiring was it was the shifts and then coming home to social media with some people saying, like, oh, COVID's fake. Like, this is, like, not real. Yeah. You know, and, you know, personally, I've 
I'm guilty for getting into some conversations with people and like getting into little arguments saying like you don't know that it's not like it is real like I am living in it like every single day like you know seeing all these patients and you know um, a lot of them saying like oh like well the healthcare provider signed up for this like you guys are supposed to know how to do this like you guys are supposed to thrive in this and I'm just like not really like you don't ever really sign up for anything bad you know like it happens um and you know a, a lot of the residents who rotate they ask like the PAs like you guys signed up for the ICU though so like do you guys regret it now like you know especially for like the new ones like me they're like do you regret signing up for this and I'm like you know like regardless of what department you're in like you know the surgery interns did not sign up for this they didn't sign up to be put in the ICU like regardless of medicine you're going to be placed in like roles where you're not comfortable when things like this happen and you just need to adapt so I mean if it was six months ago and someone said like there's gonna be a pandemic that hits like are you still gonna do it I love the ICU um so regardless of COVID or non-COVID like the ICU is just very it kind of keeps you in your on your feet and I'm someone who kind of just gets bored really easily so I kind of need to be put like on my feet at all times yeah um so I think I would honestly I think it was definitely a very hard time to go through but I think I've come out stronger from it um you know I still have a lot to learn um given that I'm still in my first year practicing um but I definitely did see of like a lot of the outcomes that I would not have seen if the pandemic didn't hit, unfortunately. Um, it made me grow, it made me become more creative in terms of thinking about treatments and plans. Um, made me a little bit more confident in knowing that I'm part of the team and I'm no longer that PA student that sits in the back and like, you know, writes the notes and all yeah. that stuff. Um, and now I'm part of like the whole intervention and stuff. So I think I would, honestly, I think I would. Ooh, you're like the definition of a frontline worker, which my, my husband's a hospitalist and he hates that term. He's like, don't call me that. Don't call me that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, y'all really are, you know, hands-on with yeah. those tough patients. Were you ever scared throughout those, oh, yeah. like, rough times? Yeah. Definitely. I was personally, like, so many things. So, like, you know, another thing about COVID, like, it kind of brings it a little bit more personal for every person because, when you have family, you don't want to, like, go home with it. So, like... The anxiety that I developed in terms of, like bringing it back home to like my parents and everything I actually moved out because I was so freaked out that you know like I would come home like I mean we would go in with our casual clothes we they give us scrubs and then we would just dispense it back into the scrub machines but I'm like what if that like 0.5 seconds of me being in the hospital after I change like you know what if it's in my hair what if it's like this and that um so that in itself was like an anxiety matter and also like a lot of our patients seem to be intubated so oftenly um, that, like, it was so often to, like, you wanted to just run in the room and do everything, but you couldn't because, like, you have to gown up and put proper PPE and, like, you have to, like, take it all off the proper way and everything like that. So it definitely was very scary because you know you're taking care of another, you know, another patient and that patient is someone else's family member, loved one and everything, but you're so limited on what you can do. Like, you can't just run in there. Um, so it was scary for us, but also scary for them. Um, and also the family members that would call, like, you know, for updates. That's also another thing, like, they wouldn't hear from us because we'd be so busy. And you just hear our clerk, like, patient's family for bed eight is calling again and stuff. And we're like, we can't call back. We're still rounding. It's, like, 2 p.m. And, like, yeah. I know they're expecting, but it's just, like, so hard. So it definitely was really scary, um, 
you know, everyone was scared in their own way in terms of bringing it back home, ourselves even getting sick. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like just exposing so many people um, and being asked, like, what if we did the wrong thing and stuff like that. Um, so it definitely was a big emotional learning curve as well because it was just like we were so out of our like comfort zone and also like in the fear of like you know everyone getting sick and then you know we had some co-workers that also like got sick from being going to like the codes and stuff like that yeah. and we're like oh my goodness like this person's out so now everyone's like freaking out like well who was exposed to this person and stuff like that so it definitely was a scary thing and I, like you know I look back I'm like oh my god like I just graduated PA school, like, this is all happening right now. That is a lot. Um, yeah, so, like, a lot of, like, the um, PAs in my program that just actually graduated, um, they're like, how are you doing it? Like, like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm, like, really scared. Um, but, again, like, the support that I got from, like, my family and my boyfriend and, like, um, you know, the attendings and the whole team that I really worked with, that's honestly what pulled me over. Um, but otherwise, you know, there were nights that I came home, you know, crying and like, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. There are days I go to work, be like, I really can't go to work. Um, so it definitely like, you know, isn't the rainbows of it all, but I felt like that was just so important to show like the PCAs and those that are about to graduate that like medicine is just not the rainbows that you see all the time. It's not the lives that you save and the miracles like it's, it's that but it's also the ones that are like really hard to let go as well right did um, you so since you did a three plus two program did you um i guess a, like a joint program did you have yeah. patient care experience going into that or not too much so i had like volunteer experience so it's a little bit different in terms of the interview process so like i know if you do the four years of undergrad and then apply for PE school you need like the patient experience hours like, yeah for hours um, so for us, they obviously didn't expect us to have those hours because we're coming straight from high school. So if you had some shadowing experience, like a little bit of a plus. Um, so that's kind of a little bit, that's why it was all a little bit more nerve wracking when you actually went on rotations because it's like the first time you're, you're actually with patients. Well, that's yeah. I just quite ask because I think that like is, it's kind of connected because I think sometimes that's the purpose of schools that require, you know, a thousand, two thousand hours of patient care is to try to have students who are exposed to some of those harder parts of medicine, like before right. they get to PA school, because that can scare people away. Like, you were super strong. I would have been terrified. I would have definitely been crying every day. Like, <laughs> I, I was crying every day because my husband had to go to work. Like, it was not good. So, I mean, I think, I think, and like, I didn't have a ton of experience, but I think having some and seeing, like, I was in a rehab hospital and hospice, like, that did expose me to some of that to a degree, like the hard stuff and like losing patients and all of that. Um, So I wonder if that, I just, I don't think anything though could have prepared you for for COVID. Um, Like even if someone sat you down, also I've seen like videos where people are like, like sitting, like sitting you down in January, like, listen, this is going to happen. Like even if somebody did that, I think we'd all be like, what? No. Definitely, yeah. I can't even count the amount of nights where, like, not, like, I would just, like, drive to work and, like, do I really need to do this right now? Like, do I really have to go back? Um, You know, and like I said, it definitely wasn't the rainbows of it all. Like, definitely a lot of tears. Um, A lot of, like, phone calls made to, like, our coworkers, like, you know, just venting, like, you know. And everyone just became, like, really passive-aggressive because everyone was just so tired, exhausted. So that's another thing. It's, like, 
we had all this social media showing like all this positive like New York doing so much better but like behind the scenes it was just like it is so ugly behind the scenes because it's like everyone is so exhausted and mentally everyone's like not okay and trying to put up a front that we're okay and like people are stepping on each other's toes and like it definitely showed the ugly side of how it can get um so like I think that having the patient exposure, like, maybe beforehand, like, maybe, like, now the pre-PAs who now seem COVID, like, in action, like, you know, maybe it's almost where you think, like, is this something I can do? Um, I remember in PA school, like, just going to rotations, like, is this the thing that I'm going to do? Like, I'm sitting on, like, you know, PA school is, like, a really rough with rigorous, like, curriculum and all these hours, you know, and there were days that I come from rotation, like, crying, like, I don't know if I can do this, like, I'm so young, like, this is, like, a lot, and then you know, I'm graduated and here I am again, like, this is a lot. I don't know if I can do this. So I just feel like it's medicine's just an, uh, like, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. yeah it's so it, hard. It is. And I feel o'clock. like people should really know that. Um, and like the PA students who are applying now, I think they should kind of just keep that in mind that medicine is not what social media makes it out to be. No. It's definitely more than that. It's hard and it's unexpected and um, I think, I mean, I think people do give gratitude to medical workers. I think they also don't understand it and so it can be a little bit thankless sometimes when like people are trying to be appreciative but then also, like you said, saying COVID's fake and sharing things that are questionable that make you want to respond, um, which is sometimes I know hard to have to like hold my tongue or like step away (laughs) yeah it like it it really was um after just like a really stressful shift and you just see people trying to like take away from what you've been doing all day it's like you know and at the end day it wasn't even taking away from what I did like how like my team tried saving a patient it was just like we lost a patient and like that patient it's not just a patient it's a life it's someone's loved one like Like, yeah you know, like, how can you be so close-minded and just think, like, COVID's fake, and, like, these people are actively dying from it, um, but, you know, I've seen the worst of it, because I was in the ICU, so there were some miracle cases, um, but I do have to say, like, it, after practicing COVID for, like, three months, it got a little bit more tiring, where I was just, like, I, I really don't know what we're doing here, like, I don't know how we're helping this patient anymore, like, this is, like, you know, they would be on vents, like they would get trachs and then they get to like wean them off of the trachs. And like, it was just like, we've had patients there for like 90 days. Like wow. it's, yeah. So it was definitely really tough. And it like kind of took the morale out of like medicine out. Like, what are we really doing? We're like prolonged their life, but like, you know, it's hard. Like family doesn't want to drop in care. So it was a lot of like palliative care as well yeah. um, that I was exposed to. Um, so I never got to see the patients that really got to make it out of the ICU. So I really saw like the worst of the worst of that. But I know when COVID started like kind of slowing down in New York and my ICUs, we started closing down the extra ICUs that we created. Um, it was like kind of like a better sign for us. And we started having like non-COVID patients mm-hmm. and it was like back to square one. It was like, I remember like talking to my fellow, like, oh, we're going to do X, Y, and Z and stuff. And he's like, Carlina is not a COVID patient anymore. I'm like, oh my goodness, like I can practice medicine. <laughs> yeah, what you've learned. <laughs> you learned, yeah. Um, so, and then like, I remember we had like a patient with like a GI bleed, like after COVID, he was a non-COVID patient. He was on three pressers and we like, we 
the day I admitted him, he was on three pressers. The, then I was gone for a week and he was off of pressers, walking, not intubated, talking and all that stuff. And I'm like, I actually like looked at the patients are like crying because I was like, I have not seen a miracle like this and actually happen before my eyes in like four months. Aww. So it kind of brings that back to you. So COVID really was learning um, factor for me because it made me appreciate the times that I was able to talk to my patients. Like I was so used to my patients being intubated that like exams are so different, like going in there and examining a patient is so different. And then like we had talking patients, so I'm like, wow, I can, I can talk to you again. <laughs> So it's like little things like that, that kind of, you know, you learn to appreciate and stuff like that. Does it feel kind of back to normal or still different? It's definitely a little bit, it's definitely more back to normal now. Um, So we only have one ICU, so we're back to our normal ICU with our medicine residents. Um, And uh, I was literally just talking to the interns like last night on my shift, like you guys are so lucky. Like you guys came in July 1st and just missed like, you know, the whole COVID thing. Um, and they were just like, yeah, how was it? And like me and like the residents would just like tell them and they're just looking at us like, how did you guys were like, yeah, like we don't know how, like we talk about it now, like, oh yeah, like this and this happened, but definitely it's, it's better now. Um, we only have one ICU and we only have like maybe one COVID patient in the ICU. So, um, it's definitely a little bit better, but we're hoping that it doesn't come back. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm in Georgia, and so, and I'm in a smaller yeah, town. Over there. Well, so it's um, and just for everyone listening, we're recording this like the last week of July, because it'll post next month. But um, it's so we <laughs> Georgia. I don't know what I don't know what Georgia's doing to be perfectly honest, because we um, like we had some cases at the beginning, and I'm not in Atlanta where it's been worse, um, but we are like a little bit of a hot spot. And so we, like, it was spiking, whatever, we thought we peaked, and then the governor, like, opened the state, like, straight up said, free for all, do what you want, go bowling, go to the movies. Um, And so it's been interesting. I'm in a place, too, where, like, I'm, like, divided between two cities, and the cities, like, don't agree. It's, like, one is requiring masks all the time and, like, has a lot more stringent requirements, and the other half doesn't. And so then everyone just comes to the other half. And then goes back to their house. So it's it's very weird. We're definitely seeing numbers like going up drastically as far as like testing, as far as people in the hospital, ICUs. Um, I mean, I wouldn't. the The issue is, you know, are we overwhelmed? I wouldn't say we're overwhelmed yet, but it's like it needs to calm back down, or we're gonna yeah. get there. And so obviously, right now the all the conversations around schools and whether school's going to open and what to do about that. And then just at work, we wear, um, like, all the gear, like, face masks and all that. So it's very, it's very interesting. Um, Definitely very different. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are going to look like or. Yeah. I just, I just remember you're having, like, the first case. Yeah. And then in a week, it was, like, it's exploded. This is so bad. But also, like, in yeah. New York, um, everyone's kind of, like, very crowded. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, Manhattan in itself, like, everyone so many basically people. walks 
on top of each other. So many people, exactly. And the hard thing about New York was, like, everyone came in and out of New York City, like, for work. So we had people coming from, like, New Jersey who would drive in and, you know, take public transportation. So it was a big connecting thing. We couldn't really couldn't trace it. Yeah, Yeah, you couldn't trace it so far. You know, we were like, you know, we're the big apple. Everyone comes through here somehow. Um, So, you know, the only thing to do was to really shut it all down and, you know, like, try to clear it out. Um, But definitely, like, the numbers did spike pretty high for us. Um, And I remember, like, talking to, like, family members, like, oh, can you tell me, like, what your husband used to do before all of this? And, like, you know, I would try to kind of, like, reconnect them um, and, like, not have them focus that, you know, their loved ones in the ICU. And, like, you know, some people would be like, oh, like, he's a bus driver. And I'm just thinking, like, oh, my God, all these people who got on the bus, like, he's like, yeah, he wasn't wearing a mask and, like, he got infected and, like, just, like, stories that I was hearing. And I was just like, this is, like, insane. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, I never, like, while in it, I never thought we would make it out of it. I'm like, this is never going to end. I remember, like, transferring patients um, and just for new patients to come in. Like, it was... It's pretty crazy. But throughout the time, you know, we did have a lot of trials, like, you know, the plasma trials. Yeah. A lot of medication. Um, So we were learning a lot about that stuff as well, which I really appreciated. Um, So it was just, it was a really collective work. You know, we worked a lot of uh, departments. We worked with cardiology. We worked with, like, a lot of nephrology team as well, um, neuro and stuff. So we definitely, like, picked our brains with one another and tried to figure out a solution. But I'm glad we're back where we are now, and hopefully. Well, that's what's interesting, and I've actually talked to my parents about it because, like, we are in such a crazy time where, like, we're watching medicine happen and, like, develop. And so I was asking them because I was like, has anything like this ever happened in the, like in your lifetime? And so they were talking about um, like Ebola when that was a thing, which yeah. I don't really remember. Maybe I, I should. Don't, I don't really yeah. remember that. But they were talking about that. And then even um, when they were like, you know, younger, like my age, like talking about HIV and how when that whole kind of like HIV AIDS started coming out, like they, like no one knew what was causing it or how it was spread. And I mean, they said like, yeah, my, you know, dad would not touch a doorknob because he didn't know like if he, how to spread it. And so like, it's just crazy. And if you think about that, like that wasn't, that was like the 19, like 70s, 60s, 70s. And so it's taken this long to get to a point where things are like very different. There's a different mentality. There's, you know, medications. And so like, to me, it's just crazy to think that we're just starting this COVID stuff and I hope things develop a lot quicker, but it could be a long time before we really understand it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I work as a per diem urgent care as well. Oh gosh, you're um, like you deserve a vacation, even though you can't go on one. Like you deserve one though. <laughs> so you know, a lot of the um, patients that I had, I was doing a lot of telemedicine at the time when COVID hit um, for the urgent care, and a lot of them would ask me like, "Oh, well, I saw on the news like this and this is supposed to work, or this and this," and like I was using Plaquenil and as it through my yeah. I saw all of that, and I had to sit there and explain to them like these are medications that you use in the hospital because mm-hmm. we can monitor you. And like, it was a lot yeah. of patient education. And like, I think um, COVID was a learning experience for everyone, especially for, you know, like non-healthcare people. Like it was just like, they would read something and be like, oh, like that should work. And like, you know, it was like a really, a lot of patient education that that I got to do, which I really love to do. Um, and 
the hard part of all of that, like, you know, they're like, do you know when this is going to end? Or like, you know, when the treatments are going to come and, you know, a lot of my attendees like, oh, like, you know, when HIV first came out, like it took this and this amount of time to, you know, find a treatment. And now we like, you know, patients have HIV, we know like how to treat them, yeah. we know how to, like, you know, all that stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm like, we're literally in history right now. We, it's crazy. Like, new just came and we're going to have to like figure out like how to treat this and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, like how long is this going to last? Like, <laughs> like I, I want it to come faster, but you know, um, it, it's hard. And like now, you know, in New York, everyone's kind of like starting to get back to their normal lives. Luckily, we're still working from home. Um, but in terms of like a lot of outpatient facilities are now being back open, like they're doing some telemedicine, but sound like in person now. So things are kind of getting a little bit back to normal. Um, so like, that's a good thing. But I think of how it just like the pandemic just hit, a lot of people just can't grasp the idea of how it happened. And now like people are just wanting like normalcy back in their yeah. lives. So they're trying to like go about out and about without masks and stuff like that. And like, for me, like I'm just looking at him like, it's not over like no. I'm a nice, like, I don't want you know yeah so yeah. it's definitely like hard like I like ask the attendings like were you guys ever part of like a pandemic in the past before like you know and like, they, were, they would tell me their stories but they're like yeah this is like something like, it's different different yeah <laughs> like, yeah no, it's, it's so. crazy so whew, well hope hopefully no more no resurgence or whatever in New York or anywhere yeah. but um but yeah where can people like find you or follow along i don't know if you're on social media or yeah. well, i have an instagram um so they can follow me there um i also have a medium that i've just started cool. um, in terms of like, blogging and everything like that um so that actually became like my little outlet during covid um really putting like my thoughts and my emotions onto paper it kind of got a little bit overwhelming during COVID where, you know, people would ask me, like, how are you feeling and stuff? And I felt like I was saying the same things over and over. Um, and then, you know, like, some people I replied, like, shortly saying, like, oh, it's, like, it's all right. But, like, I wouldn't just want – I just didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and then now that everything is kind of over, um, I've been working on a blog post for – since the beginning of March, and I have not published it till this very, like, moment right now because – Every time I, like, write, I just, like, feel everything I've felt in the past four months. And yeah, it, like, it's, it's so triggering. Yeah. So, like, I look back down, like, wow, I once to write this four months ago. And, like, that was when we were in, like, the heat of COVID. And now that I'm writing back, it's, like, a little bit different reflection. Um, so I definitely have that as well. Um, but, yeah. Well, we'll link to all of that so everyone can, yeah. can read it. And I'm sure they'll be very appreciative of you sharing your, your experience. Yeah, definitely. I'm really wishing the best luck for the new grads that just came out um, from PA school. Yeah. So, yeah. It's different. <laughs> yeah, but, different. And also, I'm sure, like, their jobs are not 100% back to normal. It's hard to, uh, and, and finding jobs is difficult, too, so. Yeah, right now, yeah. Um, so, you know, I've told a lot of the grad students that just graduated from my program, um, like, you know, take it easy, like, your job description may not be what you want it to be because of how COVID is right now. Um, you might be shipped to another department if COVID hits again. So, you know, like many. I told them to kind of like be aware. Yeah. yeah, many. You know, I actually, one thing that I did love about COVID is that I got to work with a lot of different PAs. So I had actually a lot of plastic surgeries, PAs that came into the ICU, wow. um, like surgery PAs, um, 
a lot of like travelers that I got to really like learn what they got to do, like a lot of trauma people. So I actually got to talk a lot more about the specialties and like kind of be like, oh, what do you guys, what did you guys do before all of this? And they told me, and I'm like, wow, I didn't know you can do that. As a yeah, it was really nice to meet like you know other people um, coming in and like from different locations and stuff out of New York. And I'm like, oh wow, that's like pretty cool and stuff. So it's like a little plus in terms of like just networking. Yeah, building um, community. So, yeah, definitely. So I, I was, you know, I told an advice for all the new grads, like, you know, just keep your eyes open for any opportunity, um, you know, just network and like figure out, um, you know, how to kind of just thrive from moving on from PA school. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. Um, well, you're doing great. I'm very impressed by you. So, um, <laughs> yeah. thank you. well, thank you for sharing your experience. Thank you for having me on here. <laughs>